Welcome to episode 56 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, I have been thinking about my summer goals that I have this summer other than moving. That's a big one. But one of my summer goals is to get more of my digital resources organized. And I've been thinking about some things this year that didn't go so well with that and how I want to change them. One of them is my boom cards. They are such a mess right now. <laughs> and I had it. So a lot of them, like I had an articulation folder and dumped everything in my articulation folder. And then I figured out when I was going in there, I'm really searching for things that are with a certain sound that I'm using, using with a student. So I want to separate that out and get that all organized. And, um, then in general, just having all of my resources in one place, I have some of it on my desktop and some of it in Google drive and it's just all over the place. So that's my other goal is to get it all on Google drive. So if I ever have to switch a computer or, you know, do therapy from a different place than I was planning on that, I have all of my resources in one place and get it really organized. So that is my one of my professional summer goals <laughs> this year. So I hope that if that gives anyone else a good idea, it's good to do it in the summer before everything hits you and there's no time to do anything but survive <laughs> as a school SLP. Right. So are you, have you discovered any, any um, useful tools? I mean, I think before we talked about Trello and some of the other programs yeah. and different software that are out there. I probably need to, I know I probably, we have talked about this before and I probably need to, but I just kind of like, I'm kind of, I don't know, somewhat old school. I just need like folders that are labeled well with my stuff in it. The other thing I like about Google um, and using Google drive for organizing things is that mm -hmm. I can even type like the name of the um, file that I was using, I can type that into just the search bar and it will start right. to pop up. So yeah. if with my students, I've used a handout, you know, something like steps for finding the main idea. And, you know, all of a sudden I want to remind them of it. I can just start typing that in the search bar and it pops up. So that's probably my favorite just because it's the easiest to get to from a lot of different places. It's yeah. just Google drive. But yeah, I know there's a lot of things that people use that are more of like a visual system, mm -hmm. but um, sometimes those overwhelm me. So something that's quick and <laughs> easy to do is good. That's right. Yeah, sometimes simple is is best. You know, just right. keep it simple, and it you know is easier to. You know, if that's what works for you, then that's what works. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know, and there's some content creators too that are coming out with more things to help you organize too. I know. Um, if you guys have been downloading uh, the trollinable David mm -hmm. Sindri's things, mm -hmm. he's he's created some like PDFs that have a list of all of the um, resources that he's made with links to it and things like that. So sometimes they are creating that too. And I love using those um, to kind of remember, you know, and organize all of the things that he's that he's done, especially that's, that's most of my articulation resources on boob cards that I use is his, uh, cards that he's put out. Yeah. Well, Dave's, Dave's certainly one of the most creative people I've seen in a long, long right. time, and he's been doing it for a long time. So, yep. uh, he, he definitely is producing a lot of stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's just like thinking about it the same way that you, I think you would want your paper resources organized, that it's labeled well, so you can find it. Um, I think thinking about that same process when you're going through your digital resources too. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I'm still struggling with some things because I'm trying to organize some of my stuff. I use at uh, Akron Children's Hospital and how I can make sure the graduate students I'm working with have access to it. And then- right. HIPAA and all those things too. So um, I'm, I'm still wrestling with that. And part of that is having to deal with the computer te technology and the HIPAA restrictions at the hospital and, and can't get around those things. And that, that just makes it a whole other level of 
complexity that just makes me go crazy sometimes, but we'll get there. Exactly. Yeah. And even schools sometimes have that too. Like there's some schools that don't want you putting anything, showing kids anything, unless it's in, you know, within their own Google drive and things like that, or have, don't want you to use zoom. Cause they at one point there were con- security concerns mm-hmm. with that, that have mostly cleared up, but there's still that perception of it. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's always those hurdles where you think you're going to be able to use this resource in one way. And then you have to jump through some hoops to be able to do it. Exactly. Exactly. So who, who do we have on the show today? Yeah, we're really excited to have Kendra Allison on, and she is doing some great things uh, for school SLPs and coaching them and also with telepractice. So we're excited to hear from her. Awesome. I've seen her on Instagram, so I'm looking forward to this. Yep. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do, We would love to speak with you. So please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I'll reach out, and we can have a conversation. And so hopefully we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. Again, Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I will be in touch. Now, back to the interview. Okay, we want to welcome Kendra to the podcast. Kendra, tell us um, some of your background and how you got to where you are today. Well, hello. Thank you all for having me. I am Kendra T. Allison, speech pathologist, obviously. Uh, I am from Detroit. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina right now. And I've been practicing for about 15 years now. Uh, I moved from Michigan and came down here to North North Carolina for my first grown-up job, my CF year. And I was working with a company as an employee, but contracted to the school district to a group home type facility and also did some home health over the years. In the last 15 years, I've really uh, uh, focused on doing school speech therapy. I found that that's my niche. And now I have started my private practice and my business. And the focus of it is going to be continuing to do school contracts and then also coaching and online course creation and other materials for speech pathologists who work in the schools and how to use teletherapy as a tool and how to restructure your student time to just be able to work more efficiently, have more freedom and flexibility and uh, feel less burnt out (laughs) um, as a school speech pathologist. I think you just named like all of the reasons that I did it. (laughs) Yeah, I found that uh, I enjoy working in the schools, but I live in Charlotte and I was working in a school district that was a considerable drive from home. And so I would be in the car an hour to two hours a day round trip and just the lack of productivity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, that you can do in the car. You can't really do paperwork or take meetings in the car, you know. Um, And so it would cut into my overall productive feeling of the day. And then I would be out there and come back home and still have things to do. And, you know, not have time to work out. Like, what's for dinner? What are we eating? And just all that. And um, I had done that drive for a while because I like working in the school district where I was working. And I like working for the company where I was working. But Um, As I started learning about telepractice or teletherapy, as I've started to call it, it was about two years ago. And I asked the director of my company, like, hey, look, are you guys looking into getting to teletherapy? I know that 
the school district is not really looking into it and they just weren't open to it at that time. And so after starting a new school year and already being burnt out with the drive <laughs> and just the workload and everything, I said, hey, I'm going to have to go find another option. And they said, hey, you know what? You asked about teletherapy. <laughs> go ahead and figure it out. Put something together. Let us know what you find. And I did that. And that's how I created the program that I started to use and got it approved by the school district to implement in the schools to do teletherapy with all of my students at one school. And we were like, we'll try this out. If it works, we'll do it again next year, the next school. I got the teachers, I got the students all trained and ready and ready to go. We did two days of pretty good teletherapy, um, you know, thinking like, okay, we'll, we'll work out some of the kinks. And then COVID came and shut down the whole school anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so we all had to pivot um, to, you know, we all had to pivot to doing teletherapy unexpectedly. And so then I became kind of a resource for my coworkers in the school district who had, weren't, had no thoughts about doing teletherapy as far as, mm -hmm. you know, helping them to figure out the best way to do it and give them tips and things. And so I started my YouTube channel for that reason. So th this was perfect, you know, right place, right time <laughs> where all this was coming together. And and unfortunately, yeah. COVID hit, but at the same time, it was set you up perfectly. Yes. Like a friend of mine said, it's the silver lining in the dark COVID cloud is that mm -hmm. I was able to do my teletherapy program with less pushback because people had to had to do it. And then also I had more resources through the school opened up to me because we had to do it. Right. So what, um, do you have any things that you've used a lot in your teletherapy, your kind of go-tos? Yes. So I try to focus on what I call simple and efficient school speech teletherapy. I don't, I'm kind of a minimalist in that regard because I don't like to do a whole lot of planning. I don't like to do a whole lot of throwing you all these, you know, all these things mm -hmm. at you. Um, so the the main thing that I did before I actually started doing teletherapy was I had restructured all of my students' IEP session times so that I could see them individually. Mm -hmm. And then adding the teletherapy component made it easier to do teletherapy and not have to have things like a lot of games and a lot of uh, bells and whistles to keep them interested, to keep them um, attending, to manage behaviors and all that. So the main thing is that I do those individual sessions. Um, like I said, I've restructured that so that I can do that, um, restructure their time so that I can do that and maintain their attention. So I have three things that I use a lot. Um, mm -hmm. The first one is YouTube. Uh, the mm -hmm. great thing about doing teletherapy is it's a lot easier to pull those digital activities together in this digital space. Before I started doing the teletherapy officially through the schools, as I, in my story that I told a few minutes ago, I was already moving towards using digital activities anyway, just mm -hmm. because I'm kind of technology savvy and comfortable. And the kids are too more. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, I use a lot of YouTube videos. I like a lot of short form song videos, especially for my students who are in what's called the self-contained classroom or a specialized setting, but the kids who have more needs. Um, those songs are a game changer and a lifesaver. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I like to use a lot of those. And we all know the power of music. I am very responsive to music. So I know, you know, the kids are too. I like to do a lot of movement. And so having those songs is, is, is easy to incorporate the movement, either with direction following concepts, learning body parts um, and, and functional language, you know, up, down, in, out, sentences and things like that. So that's the one thing. The second thing I like to use is the boom cards. I know that some of us might be boom card fatigued because <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a new resource uh, when all the whole shutdown and everything happened and people had to pivot over to teletherapy. Boom cards was kind of a new resource. And it was one that I was already using because I was already moving to a digital space anyway. But I use those 
and I'm not fatigued with them. I think they're, they're still great. There's still <laughs> a lot of options. Uh, I looked into creating one, but uh, I don't know about that just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Let other people do it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I support my colleagues by right. <laughs> buying theirs. Um, and then also I use PDFs, either, either worksheets or game boards and things that I created uh, or that I scanned and made into PDFs. You know, if they're annotatable, which I know I said I like to keep it simple and minimal, but that might be a little bit more than minimal for some people. But I mean, once it's a PDF, you can just write on it and mark it and things like that. Right. And um, those are my three main resources that I kind of have open and set up and ready and I'll bounce between. I try to keep maybe one or two activities uh, for each type of student session. So my tick kids were working on this and this to work on your take for my mm-hmm. students in the specialized setting or self-contained class or working on this and this for them, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. I found that this year too. I was by about, I think like the first month into school, I was like, okay, all of a sudden I have a caseload of 26, which is the biggest I've ever had on, isn't very big, but working part-time and and the biggest I've ever had on teletherapy. And I was like, I cannot plan 26 individualized sessions. Like I've got to get, this is our language activity for the day. This is our Arctic activity for the day and kind of use it with all of them in it. And you can still adapt it to each student's needs. But that is something I found that helped me a lot too, was when I quit trying to come up with 26 different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Very true. It's, it's definitely the, the best use of your time. Time is to put a little more time into curating, you know, right. one or two activities that can work for pretty much everybody and then repeating it over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's, right. uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the, the, the pillars, if you will, or principles of my, my whole program that I created is decrease your planning time and doing restructuring your student sessions to do individual sessions definitely helps with decreasing the planning time because again you don't have to have let's have this game to keep their attention and this game so that that kid that kid that kid can work on that goal right um, you know and and this to manage their behavior while i work with this kid so you don't have to do so much of that which it's um at first it sounds counterintuitive that if i do individual sessions i'm going to have less planning because you're having more sessions but like you said, you don't have to think about like, okay, what do I do to keep the other kids mm-hmm. busy? Which is even harder, I think, over telepractice because you can't like, here, you, I'm going to hand you your list of words to read while I work it with this kid, which I really like. I, I'm with you. I'd rather, you know, if I have to see them like maybe less time, but it's individual time, then I think that time is much better spent than if I am like letting them work independently in speech while I work with another kid that doesn't, they might as well be in class if they're going to do that in some settings, you know? Yeah. So I like, I like that idea of sometimes we have to get creative with those IEPs and, and, you know, explaining to parents and justifying that this is the reason we're doing it. Your child's going to get maybe look different, but it's going to be a just as much, if not better services. Yeah, you're exactly right. It is counterintuitive, that traditional 30 minute group model that we all, you know, learned at grad school for me 15 years ago. And then right. it's just the standard um, challenging that standard. And that's what I'm trying to do is challenge that standard of it doesn't have to be 30 minute groups. Um, and I, I restructure them to what I call a brief individual session. And um the one of the main selling points is the kids miss they miss less class time and I can maximize the time that we have together. And uh, so what I'm coaching other school speech pathologists into doing is the scripts and the templates and how to say that and how to present it to the IEP team the way they feel comfortable, because some, sometimes it can just be uncomfortable to present something different than other, you know, than what the traditional uh, way of doing things is. Right. Mm hmm. And so, Kendra, you mentioned your program. Is that your consulting program? So explain how people can can sort of access that and, and a little bit more about how it's structured. All right. Thank you. So uh, right now, the program is called the Efficient, Simple and Efficient Therapy Program. And it's a way that the tagline is 
um, hey, school SLP, showing you how to create a simple and efficient school therapy program to create freedom and flexibility for you. And right now it is three modules, three workbooks that I've created. Uh, they're pretty interactive. I have fill in the blanks and discussion questions and notes mm-hmm. and things like that. And so I'm pairing that workbook with the coaching element because I'm doing a live meeting and we're going to go through the notebook. We're going to, I'm going to, you know, go over the scripts and the templates that I have. And so the first module, for example, is how to restructure your, your school speech therapy times. Here's how you say it. Here's how you present it. Here's how you write it. Here's how you think about how you want to um, do your, your school program. Cause essentially I'm helping a school speech pathologist, with creating their school program in a more structured and efficient way. So I talked a lot with my hands. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, so it'll be uh, three weeks. I'm still kind of figuring out if I want to do three separate modules, three separate meetings, or kind of knock it all out in one meeting, It, you know, but um, essentially it's three separate ones. So the first one is, like I said, how to restructure. The second one is how to add that teletherapy component and use teletherapy as a tool to decrease your, your travel and your commuting. Um, I know with this upcoming year, it may be questionable about whether uh, a lot of previous the school speech pathologists who were able to do teletherapy this year will be able to do it next year. But I want to give options again, scripts, templates, and things like that for how to get approved to do teletherapy in the schools this this up, upcoming year, even with um, the kids being in school instead of at home. And then the third module is pulling it all together, checklist. Um, suggestions for student accountability, for teacher communication and things like that. And just kind of pulling together all everything that uh, we've talked about in the first two modules and the, and the third module and rounding it out so that the school speech pathologist who does it will feel like an efficiently cool school SLP. <laughs> That's the name Love of it. my Facebook group also. So you get the mm-hmm. Facebook group access. And uh, right now, like I said, it'll be a live, a live coaching session with going over the workbooks and everything. And then the Facebook group. Great. So Mm -hmm. have you found, is it, is it new SLPs that are signing up for it? Is it ones that just were feeling burnout? What kind of, uh, what's your like target audience? Actually a little bit of both because the SLPs who've been working for a while in school are burnout, like you said, yeah. like how how I felt with just doing things the same way and also not feeling effective. Yeah. Um, like I said, I've been working for 15 years and sometimes I would, I would do a 30 minute group and I'm like, I feel like I just fell into a, a vortex of time <laughs> in a black mm-hmm. hole. It's like, right did what here? <laughs> like, right. Mm-hmm. What goal was targeted? What was mm-hmm. met? I don't even know, you know, and, and I have a headache <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. after that time. Um, so for the SLPs who've been working for a while and might feel like that and are looking for something new or some, a new way to do things so that they can free up their time a little bit more to do paperwork because we just can't get around that. But then also for the the newer, uh, less seasoned SLP who was like, how do I do school speech therapy? And, you know, a lot of times the younger uh, people who are starting off in any field, but especially in our field, they're more open and amenable to new ideas and trying things and doing things differently. They just right. may want a little bit of guidance if, you know, I'm new. Do I really know enough to do this? Uh, is there research to to show that this is a good thing? How do I talk to this IEP team, which is usually older people, um, into changing and trying something new? So um, it's really for both. I know one of one of my um, uh, connections. She was she's an older person, and she said that like I post all these things on my Instagram account, and she was saying that just reading my Instagram page and seeing my posts has, has refreshed her and given her kind of a, a, a new lease on SLP life, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so that was good to, that was good to hear. So what do you find is the major, some of the major issues in terms of people trying to figure out the therapy side or just the being overwhelmed with technology as they're trying to transition? Where Where do you think the 
the pain point is for for many of them. Good question. Do you mean the the pain point for the teletherapy? Yeah. yeah. For people who are transitioning, is it trying to translate how, how I did in-person stuff and now I have to do the same thing, but through technology? Is it, or is it the really, so is it the therapy side of things or is it, how do I turn on the computer? How do I, <laughs> how do I call, you know, how do I set up a meeting online? What, what do you think is the major issue that you see coming? Or well, let me put it this way. What are some major issues or what are some of the um, issues that you're seeing being brought up that are more common? I think. Um, it's actually probably half and half. Because if you've been working for a while, you, again, never had any thoughts or plans to ever do tele anything for, for work, then um, switching your mindset around on how do I, one of the big questions is how do I keep their attention? How do I keep them engaged? When, if the, if the students were at home, because, you know, some school districts were totally remote and some were hybrid and some were you know, in school, then uh, it's like, how do I get them to show up? They're not showing up. And when they're here, you know, the parent doesn't really want to have to sit with the, the kid and attend. And, you know, it's just, they're running around. They want to show me everything. So how do I keep them attending and focus on our session and showing up? So there is that therapeutic, you know, question about that. And then it's also the, I would say, insecurity about your uh, technological savvy. That's also a separate but related battle that some SLPs may go through. Simple things like um, at, at the beginning of everything, a lot of my advice and tips and coaching was how to share the screen, um, what platforms to to what features you would want to have in a platform if you're doing if you get to choose which one you're mm -hmm. using if you're in a school um things like how to convert an in-person activity to a virtual or mm -hmm. teletherapy activity and and still make it work and then just reminding slps that whatever your level of tech savvy is this is all still new to all of us and at the beginning, and now at this point, we all have experience with it, but things are going to happen. Glitches are going to happen on the computer, just like they do in real life, because mm -hmm. how many times have we shown up to grab a kid from class and they're not ready and we're standing there waiting to, to mm -hmm. twiddling our thumbs while they, we get that kid and then we get this kid together and this kid together and they go down to the room and then you get there and they have to use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yep really are not feeling speech today anyway. And so a lot of your time is trying to cajole them into participating. So, you know, that's a in-person glitch. And then we have, then we have technological glitches. You're going to have glitches either way. I mean, you know, no, no day of school speech therapy. And of course, no day of anything is ever going to go perfectly or as planned, but I'm you know, going to keep it niched down to uh, school speech therapy. But no day of school speech therapy is going to go perfectly, whether you are in person and, you know, the, the school schedule is different, the kid is sick or comes with you, but then doesn't want to do anything or has to go to the bathroom or, you know, whatever, versus in person mm -hmm. where uh, one of the great things I like about teletherapy is that you can work more efficiently. And that's, again, one of the principles of my whole program and coaching and everything is working efficiently using teletherapy as a tool. But even with that, I mean, you know, it's efficient, but you're going to have technological glitches. And so as far as the SLP and, and the school SLP being more concerned about transferring the in-person therapy activities and interventions to a virtual setting or feeling comfortable and secure with being tech savvy, it's probably a little half and half. And mm -hmm. so a lot of my questions that I've been answering are just to remind us all that, you know, the kids are going to go and roll with these changes. Things happen, glitches happen. If you have to cut a session short because of a glitch, just make it up another time. And by the way, that's one of the another principle of my program is like since it is brief individual sessions, it's a lot easier to make that up at a, a different time. Right. right. 
But yeah, so it's a little bit of both, you know. Uh, one of the questions that I get a lot is how do you do teletherapy with groups? And so mm-hmm. in my module two, I believe, um, I do answer that question. I have some suggestions. The first thing is don't, <laughs> but <laughs> try to re- do the restructuring so you can do individual sessions and, and teaching and showing and giving examples of how how beneficial, how important that is. Like you said, Kim, it is counterintuitive, but it's actually not, you know, it, it it's great. So that's my first tip. And then the second tip I do have is um, some, some strategies for how to do group teletherapy in school with, with students in school. But that's just one big headache to me. I mean, yeah. I've done it because I had to. Right. I feel like that's my advice all the time too. (laughs) Don't do it unless you have to, but I have had some that it worked really well. Like if it was, and I, I'm really picky about it. If I do do group sessions, I'm like, they've got to have almost the exact same goals on their IEP Mm -hmm. and then I can make it work. But uh, otherwise I'm like, you cannot put an Arctic kid with a language kid in teletherapy and have it. I, I, there's some people that do it really successful and I know that there's people that create resources, so it's more successful, but it's, it's tough. And yeah, so don't do it unless you have to. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, in real life in face-to-face therapy, it's, you think, okay, I'll get all of our kids together. I'll get all of my fronting kids together, or at least in our tick group, but you can't do that. You know, you got to go by the class of the grade level. So all the first graders come on together, you know, and they have, they may have different Mm -hmm. types of goals. Um, And so in teletherapy, one of the benefits of being able to schedule efficiently and back to back to back is that you could possibly schedule your Arctic kids together in a group because you don't have to be say at middle school or elementary school A and then B in right. order to see them, you could schedule them in a group um, that way. But, you know, like I said, it's it's doable. Like you said, it's doable. It's definitely possible. Um, but, you know, what's the the question is, is what's the best use of your time and right. your energy, the right. best use of your time and your energy and to have the most efficient and productive session is what we already know, which is individual sessions. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Going back to what you said before, I love that you talked about that even in person, we have glitches in teletherapy, in therapy. Um, and just that, cause I feel, I still feel so much anxiety when something is going wrong. And I think it's because I'm like, so afraid that it's going to make people not believe in teletherapy if something's not working and think that it's less than, but I love that, you know, and even like maybe bringing up that analogy when things are going wrong, like, Hey, this is just like when we're in school and I go to get you and you're having a class party, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's, comparing it to we all there's glitches all the time in any kind of therapy I I love that thought yeah and and I have definitely felt that a burden of proof right (laughs) to defend teletherapy and like no this is working watch like you know seeing the progress in class or at home if the student was at home can you like they're they're meeting their goals they're making progress so yeah a couple glitches here and there right you know I am looking at uh, the birds from the trees, the forest from the tree, whatever that statement is. <laughs> the, big the, picture. Picture. <laughs> the big picture. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we have a couple of glitches, but hey, whatever. They're making progress. And so if we continue along being able to do therapy this way with the brief individual sessions and teletherapy, they won't be in speech therapy for much longer anyway. Right. So when you say brief, what, how long mm-hmm. do you usually suggest that you do the brief individual sessions? Well, it varies. It really varies on um, how comfortable each SLP feels with what they think they can be, they can get done. Um, I usually, I schedule my sessions within a 15 minute block of time. So the most that I would recommend in there is somewhere between eight and 12 minutes. Um, As far as being able to fit into that block of time to leave a few minutes for introductions and salutations and things like that. So it varies. I don't want to give too, I want to give too much. No, you're good. Of course. Yes. So if they want, (laughs) if they want to know more, turn to that. That's great. Mm -hmm. What I like about your program is it really is sort of a 
comprehensive approach to helping someone transition and, and start doing telepractice, especially for, for school-age kids. So that's, that's really wonderful. Yeah. And, and for, thank you. And for um, the person who really like just doesn't feel comfortable with teletherapy, half of the course is not necessarily about doing teletherapy. The first module is not even about doing teletherapy. It's about restructuring so that you can have a more efficient therapy session, whether that's in-person or teletherapy. Um, And then the other two are how to, you know, kind of pull teletherapy into that and use it um, and have the, the most productive teletherapy session. So, but yeah, I understand that some people just really don't like teletherapy and I get it. I love it. I think it's great you know, but not everybody does. So I just want to be able to help overall. I want to be able to help the school SLP who's feeling right. overwhelmed with that traditional therapy model and, uh, and not feeling efficient, not feeling effective, not having productive sessions. I think it's sounds like a wonderful model and congratulations on putting that together and getting it out there in the world for people to consume. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have been working on it for so long and um, (laughs) I want to get it out there too, because it has to get out of my head and off of my computer and out (laughs) somewhere else. And and have a life of its own, right? Exactly. Exactly. So Kendra, I think we've come to the time where we we ask um, most of our guests some questions. So this is based on the Proust uh, the playwrights questionnaire. So if you, I don't know if you ever watched the show inside the actor's studio. No. Well, it's a, it's it. the host would interview these actors. And at the end, he would ask all these actors the same 10 questions or so. Mm. And, and so we've adapted some of those questions. Okay. Uh, So you can answer with one word or you can elaborate or you can, so as, as much or as little as you want in your answers. Okay. But this is just a, Fun thing to do. Okay. What's uh what's the most used app on your phone? Instagram. <laughs> good. Good. Uh what was the last TV series you streamed? Oh, you mean like binge watched? Yeah. Okay. Or so, whatever. Yeah. Um, I've been catching up on some shows that were uh discontinued and or canceled. So um there's a show called Survivor's Remorse. It used to come on stars. I've been watching that. Um, and it's about a family, a small family who lives in in Boston and the one member is a basketball player. And so the family has been struggling for a while, but then he gets signed to the NBA. And so it's now the family is coming with him. His, you know, his mom mm-hmm. doesn't have to work, but he he gives his uncle a job. His his cousin manages him and it does a really good job managing him and building his brand and his business. He gives his sister a job in PR, but she's really just kind of find her way with everything. And it's called Survivor's Divorce because, you know, he came from the hood of Boston and he's like, I feel like I have a survivor's remorse because I made it. It's my responsibility to bring mm-hmm. everybody with me that I can. And his cousin has to remind him, but that's not your job. <laughs> like, right, And, you know, right. we have to do that responsibly, f- fiscally responsibly and everything. So it's a, it's a, a dramedy type of show, but I really enjoy it. I like dark comedies and dramedies mostly. So I, I forget who the, he was either an athlete or an actor who said, it might have been Jamie Foxx. He says, I never realized how many relatives and friends I had until I became famous. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. And it shows the show shows that, you know, how many people are mm-hmm. calling from, you know, the old neighborhood, like, hey, remember me and this and that. So. Right. So, yeah, that sounds like a great show. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Um, so who would you like to have dinner with? Dead or alive. So my partner and I just went on a, a, a retreat out to the country. And that was a question that I asked him <laughs> that I didn't get around to answering myself. Um, that I, okay. Actually, I did answer. So do I have a limit? <laughs> Three. How's that? Three. Three. Okay. I am going to put my grandmother's at the dinner table 
Um, mm-hmm. And I may count them as one person or two, depending on if I could think of two other. But um, yeah, I want I want to have dinner with them because now that I'm in a certain space in my life, um, approaching 40, and they're no longer here. But when they were here in the space of life that I was then I just, I, you know, I wasn't in that place to ask them certain questions and talk about mm-hmm. their experiences, um, you know, as black women in, in Detroit growing up in the 60s, 70s, well, they were adults then, but like the 40s and 50s and then adults and raising family. And just, I, I mm-hmm. recognize that I have more choices, opportunities and options than they did. And so I would just like mm-hmm. to have some deeper conversation with them now as a, as a woman, you know, a a grown woman in a certain space of life right now. So I'll put them both at the table and they can cook. So (laughs) I might, I no, I actually like to show them that I can cook too. Cause again, I didn't really get a chance to cook very many meals for them. All right. So uh, my grandmothers and um, Will Smith, <laughs> I have always uh, had a deep fondness for Will Smith, and he's such a good speaker and so charismatic and everything. So I, there are some things I'd like to just, you know, have him just just bring his energy to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the three that I'll stop with. Okay, like those that. are a great answer. Great answer. Um, if you could create one law or behavior that everyone had to do, what would it be? That's a really good question. That's like an introspective, self-reflective type Mm -hmm. of question. Mm -hmm. One law or behavior that I would implement so that everyone had to do it would be um, an ordinance that you have to clearly, or you're able to clearly and deliberately establish your boundary for what you need in in, in a particular relationship. Um, one of my good friends is a mental health specialist and boundaries are her specialty. Mm-hmm. And so I've gotten a lot from that and from her, um, but, Yeah, just like that's something that's really important. And so as a speech pathologist, you know, that's something that we often struggle with is establishing our boundaries, you know, at work Mm -hmm. and having work-life balance. And like I've been saying, preventing the burnout and everything. So, yes, the ordinance is that you have to, if you are approached or asked to do something that eh, you don't really want to do or something instead of hedging and doing a which causes more back and forth. You have to say, I am not able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would like to do that. I can do that, but here is what I need. I love that. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. I, I I would support that law or that <laughs> ordinance. Uh, a favorite book. Um, my favorite book that I can think of right now off the top of my head would be the, well, speaking about my friend's book, uh, my friend, she's a mental health uh, professional, like I said, and she has a book that just came out. It's on the New York Times bestsellers list, Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Tawab. That's one of my favorite books. Um, when I was doing my getaway uh, earlier this week, I was doing some mm-hmm. reading of it, and um, she talks a lot about that on her Instagram page and everything. So I would say that coupled with the principles of the four agreements by Don mm-hmm. Miguel Ruiz, because mm-hmm. I, I use a lot of both of their quotes and principles in, in life a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, what's, um, what's the most exotic place you've been? Or farthest place, maybe. The most exotic place that I have been has been <laughs> Accra, Ghana, in Africa, mm, and probably Bahia, um, Salvador de Bahia, and Brazil. They both are very exotic in very different but similar ways. Excellent. Excellent. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? Hmm. 
I don't like heights. I'm not going to say they scare me, but they make me very uncomfortable. And, (laughs) and uh, and so speaking of Ghana, there is a rainforest, the Kakum National Rainforest, where they had the canopy walk and Mm -hmm, walk. mm -hmm. It's in meters. So I I forgot Mm -hmm. how many meters and how that, what mileage that translates to. But above the, the canopy of the rainforest, you walk a bridge around there. So you're walking over the trees. The bridge is narrow, is swaying mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, you leave one treehouse mm-hmm. type post and go to the other one, it's swaying. And then that day it was a little rainy. So the bridge was a little slippery feeling. And um, I was with a good friend of mine whose family is from Ghana. And so we were there and her cousins were showing us around and everything. And they were guys and they want to do stuff like shake the bridge and I'm, <laughs> I'm not walking on a bridge with you if you do that again you know mm-hmm. but that was really scary because uh you know like I said heights make me uncomfortable you're in a foreign country it's like what if I what if I what if I you know just anything can happen um and mm-hmm. and speaking of one of my grandmothers I always think when I do things that are scary, that may be life-threatening, I think, oh, my grandma would kill me if she knew I was doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I would that would be a hard no for me in the yeah. rain on up that high. Um, yeah. what's, uh, what's a pet peeve? A pet peeve is when people misuse words. I'm not going to say mispronounce, like mispronounce you. It it was my pet peeve, but now I understand that what does mispronounce mean in these cases, you know, because language and our, like multicultural communication and accent, dialects, all that is my, my interest um, that I'm looking to build a client base and doing um, on the side uh, or it's a part of my private practice. But one of the things that I've come to understand is that language is a living, breathing thing. It's always changing and it's often dictated, dictated by the, the society and the culture in which, it's, in which it's used. So like, what is mispronounced? Uh, you know, it, mm-hmm. it varies. So, but it is uh, misused words and things like that. But I can't even really say I get seriously pet peeved over it. Uh, my partner and I, like we're watching TV and we hear somebody just, misuse a word or say something that doesn't make sense. We had this thing where we look at each other because we both know <laughs> that, we, that we are laughing at the person, you know? Right. Um, if you didn't choose your current profession, what profession would you like to try? Well, a couple layers there. So I call myself the dancing queen dance fever, you know, whatever. I'm always dancing. That is a lot of my Instagram page is me dancing, but also giving information. Um, That's how Mm -hmm. I engage with my students, dance party reward, dancing movement movement. Um, And that's something that I, in this space of life, have gotten comfortable with, you know, doing in public. You know, I used to be kind of shy about dancing in public. So I never wanted to be a dancer or go to dance classes and train or anything like that. Um, that didn't answer the question because that, that's not my answer to the question. <laughs> okay. Let me back up. So Professional my actual answer, we could say that no. my actual <laughs> answer would be maybe a, a radio personality. That was something that I dabbled huh? in. Yeah. Radio newscasting. Hey, maybe a podcaster. <laughs> I had a podcast. For a brief time, it's a lot of work, huh? and it, it wasn't is. something that I I needed to focus on. And also, my co-host was my friend that I mentioned um, with her mm-hmm. book, and it wasn't something we were able to focus on at that time. So it's a lot of work, you guys. You know, You've created it a is, boundary. Is. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> important thing. <laughs> well, the last question, and this is the one that hasn't changed, even going back a few uh, decades, and even to the original Prowse questionnaire: If heaven exists. What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, and it, okay, so if heaven exists and it's a utopia that is just that in the way that it's often described, then I would like to hear, come on in, girl, got a dance floor for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's great. That's wonderful. Uh, Kendra, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about your program, to network with you? I know you're on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So how can people reach out? Thank you for asking again. Uh, my name on Inst my handle on Instagram and TikTok and Clubhouse and Facebook is at Kendra T. Allison. The T is for my middle name, Topaz. So Kendra T. Allison, that's it, same name. Um, I also have a website. It's Speechology, P-L-L-C. That's my business name. I like to, I like word mashups. So speech and pathology, mm -hmm. mash it up. We got Speechology. Like it. Speechology, PLLC.com. That's where I have the information page for my course, as well as more information about me in a contact form and things like that. Um, you can sign up for my email list of efficiently cool school SLPs um, through that website and also through the link in my bio on Instagram. And then, oh, and awesome. YouTube. YouTube is Kendra right. Allison. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being with us today. And we, we wish you just continued success in everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you all and meeting you both. So and thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Well, that was a lot of fun catching up with Kendra and getting to know her a bit more and learning more about what she's doing in terms of really being an entrepreneur and taking this uh, idea of uh, online consulting and working with other speech language pathologists and other professionals. So I, I really do admire that aspect of what she's doing and, and I wish her nothing but continued success. And thank you for listening. Please, if you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That always helps us to attract new subscribers and to increase our reach, which is what we are trying to do. And with that, tune in again next week. Stay safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.